0: Hey guys, it's Reagan. Welcome back to the Speakeasy.
1: Hey guys, happy Halloween. I am drinking black box wine out of a coffee cup because that's the kind of day it's been.
2: (laughs) So this week I'm drinking, I don't really know what to call it, a concoction, I guess. I have a blackberry tea that I mix with a peach little, um, what are those called? Like electrolyte, like things you drop into your Oh, the VO things, I think they're called? Yeah, it's not that brand, but like it's pretty much just like that mm-hmm. um, with some tequila. So whatever that is, that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> wow, I love that. i <laughs> think
1: electrolytes with
2: tequila, that's right. <laughs> nice and healthy. Gotta replenish them as I'm losing them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I have my O-reliable. I'm back with my glass of Barefoot Pink Moscato. Um, So this week, we are talking about something that has so many layers, and some of it is a little fun, but some of it is also a little scary.
1: I took a class on this in college because I was an anthropology minor, shout out. Um, And I actually took a class called Conspiracy Theories, Myths, and Legends.
0: Very spooky for the Halloween season.
1: Spooky. (laughs) Spooky.
2: So when it comes to conspiracy theories, we could really spend a whole episode just talking about all of the different conspiracy theories that make up, like, that niche.
0: Yeah, there there are just so many. It's such a rabbit hole. And this episode, we're going to dive into the moon landing theory. Um, But more importantly than talking about the conspiracy theory, we're gonna give you an understanding as to why some of those, even though they might be fun, they're pretty harmful to society. And we're also gonna give you some tools how to kind of debunk them and stop the spread of misinformation, which as you know, is a huge uh, kind of trope in this podcast.
2: There are many reasons that kind of explain why conspiracy
1: theories flourish and how they succeed within our society and other societies. In my class, I got this book called Suspicious Minds, Why We Believe Conspiracy Theories by a guy named Rob Brotherton. And he's a psychologist um, who kind of goes into the avant-garde sorts of like pieces of psychology. And he explains why conspiracy-minded individuals kind of believe these things. And also there are some markers for conspirists is what he calls them. Um, Conspiracism is a lens through which to see the world, and it has the potential to distort anything. So, like, any given event or any person or thing that somebody wants to make a conspiracy about, they probably could. It's really easy to do that, especially if you have that mind anyways.
0: I feel like that's such an interesting point. Really, a conspiracy theorist could just say, no, 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 that's not true to anything. And it's kind of like, well, then the conversation is just over. So I I guess you could deny anything, but that doesn't mean that that's true.
1: Absolutely. Another thing going along with that is that conspiracy theorists have this ability to weave seemingly unrelated events at certain points and bringing them into an intricate web that can explain a singular event. So it it takes part of all these different pieces of a story, even if they're not related, and pushing them together into a weave that makes sense. Brotherton really talks about how the belief system of conspiracy theories really is a spectrum, but it's it's oftentimes one person believes in it wholeheartedly and they will believe in all of them. And then one person believes in it not at all, and then they won't believe in any of it. And it's kind of a catch 22 because conspiracists then tend to believe that anyone who speaks on a theory by either debunking it or explaining the phenomenon is part of like this greater plan
0: (laughs) like they're one of the sheeple
1: (laughs) yeah exactly like they're part of the plan and it dives down into this massive rabbit hole of discussion about what's real and what's fake and if this person's talking about it they must be part of the plan and he noticed this at a conference where he was talking to other academics and people from just regular life who were coming in to talk about it, and he was at a bar afterwards, and this guy comes up to him, and he was like, I think that guy who was telling us about 9-11, I think he was part of the government conspiracy to cover it up, so it's a wild (laughs) thing. It is a rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, we, like we've talked about on this podcast before, conspiracy theories right now with social media, they are just wildfire like they take off and it's interesting because almost one third of Americans say that most conspiracy theorists are just just crazy but at the same time 22 percent of Americans also believe that when it comes to conspiracy theories there's more to them than what the official accounts say um and we see that manifest every day in our careers and just being uh, consumers of media every single day. And we see that manifest in the way that uh, one in four Americans believe that the mainstream media is not telling the truth specifically about COVID. And so, you know, there's this idea that we're the sheeple and we're all in it. We're all in cahoots together. And I can confirm whenever people say that to me, I'm like, if that's true, I wasn't invited to the meeting.
1: It is absolutely a crazy thing that people believe that like, if you are part of the media, you're kind of within this group of people, and and um, Brotherton calls it a good breeding ground for a conspiracy theory, because anything can become one, but if it already has a little bit of mystery behind it, people are more likely to jump on this bandwagon and say, like, oh, well, if there's mystery, there must be something more.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I definitely think that there's a lot of, you know, researchers who have talked about this topic. I know one book that I really liked was Escaping the Rabbit Hole, which was by Mick West. He just kind of went into more of a personal account and looking at how people that we love and like people that we kind of respect and know. Because I think a lot of times when we think conspiracy theorists, we're thinking like, oh, like this is some like crazy person out there that we don't interact with. But many times, like we don't see that there are people within our own main circle who can slip into these holes and like, very easily become these people that we're, you know, associating as outside of, like, our realm.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely, like, no longer just, like, you know, the crazy guy with the tinfoil hat. Like, a lot of times it's our aunts, uncles, you know, Facebook friends that are kind of promoting these conspiracy theories.
1: And I think one of the most important things to understand based on, like, studies that psychologists and sociologists have done over time is that there is no archetype of like the the conspiracy theorist. It can right. be anybody and it kind of stems from this personality they believe that people want to believe that there's more than meets the eye. They're looking into a problem or they're looking into an event and they want to kind of make more sense out of it when there's not a lot of sense to be had in the first place. Right. And then it's like normal people wanting to wanting to hear the whole story, which in so many cases like 9-11 or the moon landing like those things are so foreign to us and like the concept of them can be so scary and so random that people will search for any like semblance of explanation for why those things happen so that's kind of where scientists believe that this conspiracy theorist personality develops
0: that's actually like when you put it like that it makes me a little sad because it's like you know conspiracy theories are kind of a way of like coping with all of the craziness and uncertainty. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, throw conspiracy theorists a pity party
2: per se, but it's definitely a way of coping with the unknown. So that kind of leads us down the rabbit hole of what are some of those conspiracy theories out there? Today we're going to talk about a really uh, interesting one that I think uh, is really popularized, not only in our generation, but with many.
0: Yeah, today we're talking about um, the theory of the moon landing being fake. And I just want to add a disclaimer in that, that this is not a fact, we do not believe in this. Um, This is just a theory meant to entertain and kind of help people stop the spread of misinformation. So with that being said, so we don't get sued or don't have like the government coming for (laughs) us, um, let's jump into what this theory is about.
2: Um, Yeah, it's a spooky season special, not a regular.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. I don't think any of us would consider ourselves like hard conspiracy theorists.
2: Yeah,
0: and I will say, if anyone from high school is listening to this, I used to be into conspiracy theories when I was like 16, but I've grown and changed since then, so just know that this is all very genuine now. So basically, the theory that the moon landing was fake kind of started um, in the mid to late 70s, after um, we landed on the moon in 1969. And basically, a guy who used to work for the US space program kind of came forward after. And he, he wasn't even there when we went to the moon. He left a few years before. But he was like, you know what? When I left, there's no possible way that we would have had the technology a few years later to make it to the moon. So I don't think it happened. And kind of pointed out, like, Just a few things from the film of when Apollo 11 landed in 1969. So, you know, some of the evidence, quote unquote evidence is that there are no stars in the sky. Um, The US flag wasn't moving. That's called inertia, you guys. There's no gravity. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The shadows don't align. Uh, You know, people had questions about how they were able to broadcast back to earth. Um, And they also just didn't think point blank period that we had enough technology to do it. And the reason, the motive that they think the U.S. faked it was because we were in the space race. And they didn't think that we would be able to beat Russia. So we supposedly faked this whole thing and filmed it in, you know, either Hollywood or Area 51.
1: People um, think that they filmed it, like, with a green screen, don't they? Yes. Like, they had people in front of a green screen yeah, that mimics, like, like even- the-
2: Yeah, some people believe there was, like, a whole set, like, that there was, like, a whole dedicated, like, town to this. Yeah, and they think, like, there's one
0: director, I can't remember his name, but they, like, are, like, he definitely directed it. And they literally (laughs) tried to, like, fly drones over, like, Area 51 to be, like, look, there's the stage (laughs) where it was (laughs) filmed. Um and It's, it's just really interesting because like I said, so this theory started in the 70s kind of with like a disgruntled ex-employee and NASA has definitely put in a lot of effort to disproving that theory like we said earlier, the burden of proof always falls on the person who believes in the truth of it all. Um, And then in 2001, the theory kind of picked back up after Fox released a documentary about it. And since then, I mean, this theory has really taken off in mainstream media, which is kind of harmful. I feel like a lot of people are hesitant to cover conspiracy theories because then you're like adding fuel to the fire. Um, But there have been, you know, outlets like BuzzFeed have been like, can we recreate the moon landing using the same technology we had back then to like try to prove it's possible? so it's become like just a huge kind of bit on the internet and there are definitely some harmful kind of ramifications of that
1: and like when you say harmful like I definitely don't think the theory itself is harmful like if people are gonna think that the moon landing is fake that's their that's their prerogative like (laughs) people have their own opinions it's fine like if you want to believe that I think the harmfulness really comes in when we refuse to accept that science and things like that are real and we made so many advances and that was one of like the greatest scientific achievements of all time was putting somebody on the surface of the moon and having them report back to earth so I think it really becomes an issue mostly when we're discounting logical truths about the subject and continuing like we've said so many times before like down this rabbit hole (laughs) that like you can make anything connect to it to seem like it's a fake thing but it really becomes harmful when people just choose to omit any sort of fact right
0: I mean it's 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 just how how do you argue how do you prove a point with someone who just denies every point that you make every you know, if you can't if you can agree on what truth is, then there's just like no conversation to be had. And that's a huge thing. Every like criticism that this guy pointed out as to why the moon landing could be faked, there are experts and scientists and people who worked at NASA that spent hours explaining why those things happen and people still just refuse to believe it. So I don't really know how to mend that.
2: Yeah. And I think that when we talk about this, a lot of people who Aren't into conspiracy theories or don't really follow that type of thing or like oh well that's such like a small percentage of people like anybody who has access to education or access to resources doesn't believe that but 11 percent of americans believe that the moon landing was fake and that's actually a pretty astounding yeah. <laughs> percent of our population in my mind um yeah just because i think that you would think like with all of the resources and the access that we have you know with, with google right at our fingertips to check in and, you know, make sure that we can check these claims with NASA and stuff that people wouldn't have such misconceptions. But it definitely still is something that once these kind of embed their way into our society, they can really last for a really long time. Mm
1: -hmm. And I mean, if you're going to connect conspiracy theory with anything, I think you can connect it so much with like myths and legends because myths and legends aren't true, but there are such a big group of people who can listen to something about know any topic in the world and if there is a myth or a you know a a story surrounding that action making it supernatural or like unbelievable or fantastical people there are so many people who are willing to believe it because some people just want that escape from reality I think yeah and that's where it really becomes a problem is like fact versus fiction what's real and what's not
0: yeah and I mean like I was saying before definitely in high school I think the moon landing being fake was like the first theory I ever heard and I was like oh my god this is so funny and then like you know you had people like Shane Dawson who would make his uh like weekly conspiracy theory videos and me and my friends were so into them and we just thought that it was like you know a funny escape but it definitely leads you down this path of like oh my god, maybe no one's telling me the truth about anything and everyone is in cahoots and everyone is just a sheeple following blindly.
1: So when it comes to the moon landing happening, it's not particularly harmful whichever way you believe it, but the misinformation can be the really big issue. With science, with fact versus fiction, it can really become this really clouded area where people don't really know what to believe, especially if they're kind of searching for answers anyways. Like, it gives more of a motive for people to take an explanation, even if it's not the right one.
2: Yeah, and I think earlier, Emily kind of broke down that there is this persona type of the conspiracy theorist. But it's really important that as we're seeing people, you know, spread misinformation, that we think about what person they are and identify why it is that they're spreading this misinformation. Because some people spread misinformation because they truly believe it. And then others are doing it because they want to provoke, manipulate, and target people. So you have to really think about who it is that you're coming to terms with before you start engaging in these tools.
0: Making sure that you focus on facts and not myth. I think a really important tool is to keep asking yourself, why am I skeptical of this? Because I, I it's so important to be skeptical of everything that you consume. Even when it comes from news outlets and media companies, I definitely encourage you to get as much information from many different outlets as possible. But when you find yourself believing that there's, you know, some (laughs) cahoots happening or, you know, just some conspiracy theory, definitely keep asking yourself why do you think that and what evidence is there that kind of supports that claim?
1: Absolutely. And I think when you see somebody posting something on social media, that may be false, don't repost it and be sure to give them verified sources. If you want to kind of have a conversation about what's real and what's fake and don't approach it in a way that's like harmful to them because you never know, like somebody can hear something and be like, wow, that actually really makes sense to me. So if you want to have a conversation and you want to help others, don't attack them on social media and say like, no, you're wrong. But maybe just like, Try and have a conversation, especially if it's like a friend or a family member and you're just like, hey, I want to have this conversation about what we're seeing, what you posted. And then if you want to like go into it, get some verified sources of information and take down the misinformation if it's connected to your page. Um, Note that most people aren't going to just accept what you're saying, so don't ridicule them. Is essentially the message here.
0: I do want to throw in a tip on top of that, something that um, I talked about a lot with my fellowship over the summer um, which focused on how do we spread like accurate information online and kind of dispel misinformation. Something that we talked about, especially with conspiracy theorists, is some people are just so far gone that they are never going to believe truth. They're never gonna believe fact and science. But when you kind of interject with social media posts that are misleading, you're not doing it to try to convince the original poster, you're doing it to inform other people who stumble upon the post and aren't completely, you know, totally far gone. Like they're still like, oh, I saw this other information that was commented. So obviously that dispels the original post and my opinion is not based on a lie anymore.
2: Great. And so when that comes to us as journalists, you know, not just as citizens when we're seeing posts on social media, but as journalists, when we're producing content that are about these conspiracy theories, we need to make sure that we're keeping the facts as the core of the piece because for the same reason when people are looking at the piece, it's very easy for them to walk away after reading an article and just have a mess of facts in their head. And so they're going to say, wait, which things did I read were the myth and which things did I read were the fact. So honestly, it's just best to only present facts in front of their face so that they don't leave walking away thinking which was which or get them mingled.
1: And once again, we've talked about this before, but as a journalist, if you make a mistake, go back, correct yourself, and be transparent about it. And when you're writing about conspiracy theories, it's not just about talking
2: about the conspiracy theory, but it's about making sure you take the time to break down why this is exactly misleading. You know, for a lot of us, it can be very in our face, or we think it's very understandable, but for other peoples, it may not be. So you, to take it step by step and break down for them what about this information is misleading, it's a really helpful way to show or showcase new information to them.
0: Yes, snaps to that one. I honestly, I love that point, Lana. It's so important that people in the industry remember that our job is to like hold people by the hand and present fact and information to them. We need to actually understand and be empathetic as to why people kind of fall into these conspiracy theories in the first place. But I think that that's a really good place to kind of lead us into my favorite segment, Think or Drink
1: woo! We love think or drink here.
0: I'm always thinking. I'm sometimes (laughs)
1: thinking, so it's perfect. (laughs) I love when we can do it at the same time. (laughs)
2: Last week we both lost (laughs) diphtheria for the L. (laughs) But uh, <laughs> this week I have a question for both of my co-hosts, mm-hmm. and it is just touching a little bit on conspiracy theories.
1: Oh, I'm so, so excited, <laughs> I'm so ready.
2: I hope I get this one right, please. <laughs> okay, at least blank percent of Americans believe at least one conspiracy theory. Ooh. Is it? A 17% B thirty-two percent C fifty-one percent or D seventy-two percent. Oh wow.
0: Um
1: thirty-two.
2: That's what I was gonna say. I feel like that's a really safe
0: option. Yeah. But at the same time, it could also be a conspiracy, and everyone believes it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like I think I I feel like a lot of people believe in at least one conspiracy theory. But I don't want to say it's half. Yeah, I'm going with thirty-two.
0: I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna go fifty-one.
2: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> All right, players, have you locked in your answers?
1: Yes, locked <laughs> yeah. and loaded.
2: All right, so Emily, go ahead and take your drinks. Woo!
1: It. <laughs> <They won. laughs> According
2: to Pew Research, at least 51% of Americans believe in some form of conspiracy theory, which is not that astounding because, like you guys said, yeah. one, like there's so many of them floating around, and because of the broad definition of what they could be, and like right. it's not just, you know what we consider a conspiracy theory, but, like, fallacies and, like, our recognition or thoughts or stuff like that also are, so, like, the Mandela effect or things like that are also right. considered, so when it comes down to it, us Americans are really fucking gullible. <laughs> We're
0: just <laughs> so really back, trying to find some kind of purpose and truth in life.
1: <laughs> We're just looking for an explanation, you guys. <laughs> We're just looking for something to grasp. <laughs>
0: awesome well guys this was a really fun episode like we said earlier we could probably spend a whole season of episodes talking about conspiracy theories but we hope that you learned a little some summon or you know a lot hopefully
1: <laughs> it was so fun having you guys for this episode once again a very happy halloween to all of you go out and stop the a mask
0: <laughs> yes a all right everyone that's
1: it Stay informed. Cheers.